0: um yeah sometimes you've got to eat to function so uh and i've already exhausted my um enjoyment levels out today need must
1: i today refused uh, a dessert and then some mm. cake, and cake Shocking only because I just need to get the mindset right diet starts now over next June I find that if you start well if for me anyway if I start eating that it, it tends to lead me on to eating more later on Did you ever stop dieting? Did I So,
0: Sorry Sorry for listeners that got a phobia of chewing I have a mouthful of radish. Um, I said, "Did <laughs> radish? Did you ever stop dieting?"
1: Um, I was in maintenance for a bit, and then through lockdown, I went to like. What's my weight in lockdown? Two hundred and thirty-four. I looked back at the day, and about. I don't know when did I, when did I last? Th- I think it was two. I think two or three of my lowest weight. I haven't looked at my averages yet, but I think two or three. It's been lower so far so it's uh, it's a third yard problem but i need to be about 170 something
0: mm. I, I guess think- i guess when we um obviously spoke before before everything moved again and you were kind of like doing the diet before the diet i guess that was what it was wasn't it, it was the diet before the diet and then Roughly trying to maintain for a period of time. I was joking about the whole diet thing, mate. I said, no, you have a stop diet. It's just an ongoing joke, isn't it, about you always dieting? Um, but roughly maintaining and then trying to then go again to get into the like, the next level of leanness.
1: Yeah, because what I've, I suppose that a lot of people do it. I've been in the habit of before, even up to the recent, even probably to the last, even probably even two twenty nineteen, yeah, got into lockdown, maybe 2019, ending 2019 into twenty twenty. Get to a certain level, you think, Oh, I'm happy what I am now. Then in, and you just then you just like you pull your foot off the gas a little bit, and I tell my clients, don't don't at least keep some form of measurement, whether that be weigh yourself regularly, take measurements regularly, take photos regularly, my fitness panel against you at least you know you don't track. And when I did, I thought i in lockdown, it didn't bother doing anything. That's why I ended up being like two thirty.
0: Mm.
1: I think if I can go through, if I can get it to one seventy, and then even, I think even hover on like mid one eighties, one ninety. I mean, I'm always going to be looking half tidy. I don't need to be single digit body fat really. I mean, it'd nice. It'd be nice to be in uh, next year. But I, I mean, I can really see difference between nine and eleven percent. Depends obviously depending on your genetics. How people look, some people look better at 11% than you were 8% in somebody else's neighbour. I think I'm going to step up from now because what I've done lately is I've never really fasted. I mean, you do have days when you fast just because you're busy in the morning, but I thought, well, I'm busy in the morning now. I'm working and I can just get up a bit later so I don't have time to have breakfast. So then I maybe have having breakfast in work because I only take two minutes to work so it's easy enough to control your calories quite a lot or if I'm not working get up and either either BJJ in the morning early six o'clock or K1 early six o'clock come back shower get changed take Liza to school and then on some days go to the gym and then it's almost 11-12 o'clock so, I'm at 12 o'clock. So, I'll eat about 600, 700 calories at 12 o'clock. Then I'm fine until 3, 4 o'clock. But then, kids come home from school, just tender to, end up, it ends up being dinner at 6 o'clock. So, I'm trying. I'm controlling my calories more. And it's. I found it's very easy to not have breakfast. Whereas before, I was very much a breakfast person. But now I've actively not had it, deliberately not had it. Because I know I tend to eat more in the evening. It's actually f- fairly easy, mm. even when I'm busy. Like today, I got up at uh, seven. We having a Sunday dinner at twelve. Even though it was raining, I just couldn't do anything. I found I just all I had was um, a little bowl of fruit to take the edge off a bit, which is about two hundred calories. So then I had a smallish dinner, and then I just had a little bit of food now. So I'm. Uh, I think I'm more in control, and it's fair, and it's... I found something that is easy, currently.
0: Mm. i got a couple... Sorry, while I, while I just um, chew down this slice of eating cheese... Um, I'm sorry. This is this is, this is the worst podcast ever, just doesn't someone chew. Although, I'm sure there must be a podcast that exists, which is purely someone chewing. Or YouTube videos, no doubt, I'm sure, at least. Pornos, or porno, yeah. <laughs> mm. Um, my mate sent me because obviously uh, getting into jiu-jitsu stuff. This is off topic, and I will go back to what I was about to say. But this is from my my mate sent me a link to uh, jiu-jitsu porno. Basically, na- naked people doing jiu-jitsu and grappling, and then they end up shagging at the end of it. Mm. So basically, they tap each other out, and then it just then basically the video just switched to them basically getting it on. Mm. I was like, no, oh, didn't know this existed. This is the one thing that I've always wanted and didn't know exist. Could you do could you jitsu? I bet there's, uh, uh, well, obviously, especially the amount of listeners we've got, I bet their hits are now going to go through the roof as if everyone else starts Googling jiu-jitsu porno. No Interesting. doubt. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Anyway, what I was going to say, two things. First thing, and I've probably forgotten them both now, but the one thing I do remember is your comment about being a breakfast eater before and always thinking that you had to have breakfast. What's interesting is that's a conversation that I've had with clients quite often, or quite regularly, I should say, and that as in a lot of clients say to me, "Oh, I must have breakfast." And I guess like as we're working, working with clients and kind of working through routines, habits, behaviours, and trying to find something that's obviously bespoke and suitable to the individual to basically improve chances of adherence, of course. Um, one of the things you you might often do is kind of roughly work out what we think their energy intake needs to be based on their own parameters and kind of personalized stuff and then what I found myself often do is trying to look at their current schedule and then basically attribute what we think a decent meal pattern could look like based on their current kind of habits and preferences and stuff but sometimes it will also go along the lines of well actually is your current routine something that you need to do or can you change it and one thing is quite often that changing that perception that you're a breakfast eater because yeah. I'll be honest I went through it you've gone through it loads of my clients have gone through it And more often than not, and when I say more often than not, probably is is underdoes it and doesn't quite do it justice. Like almost always, I should say, rather than more more often than not, almost always they change their mind and say, actually, I could go about breakfast. I always thought it was breakfast eater, and actually now I've tried it. As much as you know, there might be periods of hunger. They're not at levels of hunger you can't manage, and obviously that then means you can condense the amount of calories that you would attribute over an entire day into a short window, and you feel like you eat more. And that's obviously the whole point of fasting to a point, or for weight loss anyway. And I guess it's like... Go on. No, you go.
1: If you look at a lot of people who are nine to five, then you could probably say you... Every one of those people could probably miss breakfast. Because, it's, because you... I suppose it's different, obviously, depending it is, obviously, it if you've got kids, you tend to be busy in the morning, you know, especially if they're younger. Get up earlier, you do you sort them out, doing them breakfast, getting them ready for school, blah, 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 blah. So a lot of people who are in that scenario who are busy could probably easily to get breakfast and then keep, especially if you're going to work. I mean, unless you're in a place where food is readily available, if you've got, you know, I don't know. Like Matt was going to bank, and he's digging loads of food things there, which is a bit different. Mm. Like for me, I can just take food to work, and that's all I've got. I can't get any more unless i got money with me. I just don't take money with me. So, if, yeah, like you said, it's about looking at your day and, and looking where you can change things that are not going to really impact you that much. Mm. Like if you're busy in the morning, if you don't have breakfast, is it really going to matter? Like I was always I've always been angry in the morning. But I've just waited and it's gone away. So like actually and I find because it was the same for you, I find really intense exercise blunts my appetite. Mm.
0: Yeah. Uh I I was again, two more things, and I have forgotten about the second thing of the first point I was gonna make, but never mind. Um Absolutely I think well, I think what I was going to say is you wake up and you say you're hungry, and I think people nocebo themselves almost, or placebo themselves, I don't know actually which one's the right one in that context, but you basically tell yourself you're hungry and therefore you're hungry almost, because you, you know, you're about to say, oh, I'm always hungry and wake up, actually, you might be mildly peckish or you might fancy something, but are you actually hungry, or could you just do what you're doing and just don't eat and then realise I'm actually not that hungry? and I can kind of manage quite easily through. And like I said, if it does get, if you do start to get a bit hungrier later on in the afternoon, or sorry, later on in the morning, assuming you're fasting the first thing in the morning, because we are talking about breakfast and non-breakfast, could you then just ride out the low level of hunger that might inevitably happen, or, which isn't necessarily fasting, but like do something like you said, just have a low calorie snack, which, you know, high fiber, high water content, something that might just take the edge off, and it might it might not satisfy you that much, but it might be enough to then just push through that hunger level until later on in the day. Um. What was the second thing you just said?
1: Uh, You've gone. The second thing. Well, That's, you
0: kind of you said about being hungry, and then I want to go back, and you said something else that I was then going to also touch on, but.
1: You, work in nine to fives, um, food and work. Nah. Drink, jeans. It's gone. Don't worry. It's gone.
0: It don't matter. Um, uh, but I think it's an interesting point of just not telling yourself. A situation applies when perhaps you know you have not actually opened your mind up to try something different because that's really important as i say genuinely almost always it has made people think about and they, you know that doesn't mean everyone has then gone and stuck to being a faster in the morning and having some form of time restricted feeding window um but most people have tried it and got on all right and they might use it in periods and they might then decide not to use it in other periods and I've done that. I've had periods where I've fasted and I've had periods where I've decided not to for various reasons and they just kind of find it's, it's just a tool in the toolbox, isn't it? That's the way we look at it. It's just another thing you can pull out as and when it, you feel it's suitable.
1: Mm. I think they're bigger than their journey and, you, and you're more muscular and you've got more calories to play with than when you're dieting. and you, you, you may not need to do certain strategies because you, you may have enough calories for longer to not need to miss breakfast. For you, maybe, if you've been on 3,000 calories, if you're a big person, and you train in the morning, maybe having a breakfast gives you a better workout anyway. So as for you, it's not, is there really much of a point in you doing that? Mm.
0: Oh, that was that, I think that was the second point I was gonna ask you around your sh- schedule and routine. So when you've got up in the morning, and you've done BJJ, or you've done K1, or whatever, and then you've come home and eaten afterwards, have you felt the energy levels during a training session has been okay?
1: Yeah, fine. I've because what what I've done, I've done this on multiple occasions. Gone training at six o'clock, come back not eaten, gone to the gym at quarter past nine, and then not eaten till twelve. I don't find you're a bit obviously. You've, you've, I'm physically tired because of the K one or the jitsu, not the fact that I haven't eaten. And I think it'll be that it gets people dead. You know, I must eat before training. Like how much of performance you're really going to have? You're not marathon running, which you might find, you know, maybe an hour or so in, if you're doing a long run, you might flag, you probably would flag, but I mean, in an hour training session, are you really going to flag?
0: That I do think, it depends what it's doing, and I'll be honest, with your type of exercise, I actually think it would be it would impact you more than perhaps your general gym go because, obviously, I guess some of the stuff, especially K1, but even Jiu Jitsu as well, is a bit more high intensity. And I think the high intensity of it, for want of any, any actual word, is probably the key differentiator. If you can go then, just do a bit of faster lists, whatever, like you're not going to notice a difference. But I think if you need something a bit more intense, I think you will probably struggle a bit more for the most. And I just, the reason they kind of asked the question is because, um, well, one, it just felt like a prominent question, but two, there was a new study that came out, which I think I'm sure someone like Jackson Pios shared that I remember, and it was um, basically measuring the performance of exercise for people that exercise in the morning having either fasted or having breakfast. I'm trying to find it, actually. So I can't remember who the study author was. Metcalf at all, that's it, 2020. So, omission of a carb-rich breakfast impairs evening endurance performance despite complete dietary compensation at lunch. So, um... They actually trained in the evening, so sorry, I, I think I got that wrong a second ago. So they trained in the evening, but basically two groups: one group skipped breakfast but made up for the calories at lunch, and the other group spread their calories out, had breakfast, had lunch, and then obviously trained in the evening. And group, uh, yeah, group one was the fasting group. Effectively, you know, we say fasting, intermittent fasting. They still, they, you know, the, the cal- it was calorie matched. So. Um, they consumed the same thing, same calories and macros prior to eating and training, but it was either spread across breakfast and lunch or just at lunch, as, as I've just said. Uh, they had a significantly worse power output in group one by 3% and a higher perception of effort, so a higher RPE. Uh, and, come
1: th- By 3%, you
0: it was still statistically significant, and I think that's why I kind of m- m- I apply that to like you say. If you really need a high intensity performance, I think you're going to feel that three percent more than someone that is just toddling along on a treadmill or doing a like you know like something that isn't so intense in the morning oh, in the evening. Sorry. So which is you know it could still apply to the morning and some such from either the meal before or if you can get any food in before training. I guess you could try to ext- extrapolate
1: it across that. Well, I don't do it. If I've done K1 or BJJ, I don't do legs after, because I feel physically tired. and depending on what you've been drilling in, in jujitsu, and how much of your arms are you using or shoulders. I find this it's more taxed on the legs, so I don't. I try. I usually avoid legs if I can, because I'm of the opinion now is right. You're not a performance athlete. I've got – I'm never going to be the best in the world of jiu-jitsu or K1 because I'm too old for one. Um, I'm not a bodybuilder. I enjoy K1 and BJJ. If I can improve in the both over time and get better, happy days, which I think is a given The more often you go. And if I can maintain a decent level of muscle mass and look tidy, is a couple of percent – off my whatever left in the gym really matter to me. No, doesn't matter. And I think there, that people get bogged down in it, I think, in general. Yeah, it's, it's great to be optimal, in it? Optimally, I would train BJJ, come home, have food, probably not train that day if I wanted to hit my uh, big squat numbers or bench or whatever. I'm like... I think a lot of people worry too much about stuff like that. It's like, are you a performance athlete? No. You're trying to look good and you? you're trying to look good naked. It's like, does it really matter to you? If you enjoy it and you're not, obviously, if you if you go to K1 and you just can't lift your arms up and you try and shoulder press you can't shoulder breath, nothing. Obviously, it's going to impact how your how shoulders look over time, probably, isn't it? But I think for most of us, and I'm talking 99% of the population, who just want to look good, probably not going to matter. If you enjoy what you're doing and... I
0: wouldn't worry about. It. No, uh, and I, I do, I do agree with you.
1: I get your point. Though. Yeah. No,
0: no, I do agree. With you. Um. So I'm not, I'm not. Uh, you know, I, the, the study is what the study is. You know, we don't, we're not going to argue about the data because the data is what it is. Like regardless, of what your opinion is or whether it's worthwhile or not. Um. And I would agree that I think for most people, it's probably a, a small one percent detail that is probably not worth putting a lot of stress over. And I think when you talk about it in that context, that kind of means like basically, if it means you're gonna. Be forcing breakfast when you don't want it, or you're going to have an impact on your total adherence to a, a diet because you're trying to. Oh, I need to be optimal, so I need to push my calories up in the day, and therefore I str- I can't stick to my calories at night time because I'm then find myself binging. Then, that trumps yeah. the one percent extra, you know, kind of benefit you get from having an increased performance. So I I, abs- I am agreeing with you. You're just I, it's just an interesting thing, and I think it's it's also it's it's also always a consideration someone should have though. Um, yeah, yeah, you know.
1: Because I find for me, let's say if I come home 20 past half past seven, shower, I have somebody to rate because I think, right, I'll, I'll recover, you know, replace a bit of glycogen from K1 to have a bit left to go train whenever, half past nine. And then I think, right, you need to eat post-workout. So I've eaten twice then, maybe by 12 o'clock. And if that ends up being 1,000 calories, say, between the meals, I'm like, well, if I'm aiming for two, two thousand, two thousand two hundred calories now, like a twelve hundred calories, to potentially last me ten hours. It's you know, I'm not saying it can't be done, but it's for me, probably other people are the same. It's it's less effort to have, you know, fifteen hundred calories left in eight hours than it is to have a thousand calories left over twelve, over ten or eleven. But mm. some people are you know, the same, so I'm. So for me, it'd be different if I'm like maintaining weight because you've got a bit more calories in you. But for me, I know if I, I can I can deal better. My problem is snacking, and I tend to find I don't snack as much. Hmm. That actually,
0: it's sorry, it's funny you mentioned that because what I I was going to say around kind of, your example there of spreading calories over a longer window has less an effect. I have the same principle with snacking, where I tried to get, for the most part, people to avoid snacking. Um, just if they, you know if they're just general fat loss clients and have no uh, other considerations, as in you know reasons to snack. But I think for the most part, I would say like because I always revert back to kind of like what's going to be the biggest predicting factor of a weight loss diet working, and it's always adherence. It's always sticking to something, and I guess then think okay, what's going to be the thing you can do that has the most impact your adherence. And then it's usually, outside of um, making sure food sits preferences and routines and stuff, usually something like managing hunger, because the hunger is the thing that gets us to eat shit all the time. And if you can manage hunger, or sorry, I should say one of the best ways of probably managing hunger is actually kind of yeah, eating for society and trying to eat your for fullness and which is why you know we kind of had this conversation even at the start of before this podcast but referring back to the podcast a couple of weeks ago around function and enjoyment like we pushed people eating towards function because that will help manage satiety better there's a balancing act between enjoying it having enough enjoyment so you don't feel restrictive and therefore have encouraged binge eating so it is a, a bit of a balance in that. but anyway so and it's the is the same in that I tend I tend to find like if you're going to impact hunger, as in you're going to make a dent in your satiety, um, I think for most people there has to be there's there's a bit of a threshold like of eating food that has to meet a bit of a threshold before it even has any effect. And I find that most snacks don't even meet the threshold, so they end up being a bit wasted. As in you don't ever really influence hunger. And the same reason why I like to push people to have bigger bigger meals less frequent than the other way around, for the most part. And again, people are different. But for the most part I think people having bigger meals has a better overall effect on longer long term hunger management because at least they at least they meet that so so let's say an example, I'll give you a really easy example. So say someone's on fifteen hundred calories, it's just you know, that is literally a plucked that number in the air, so don't go don't even start bitching about oh someone's eating fifteen hundred calories. because um, it's not it doesn't apply to anyone it's just for the math's sake. I would rather someone ate three 500 calorie meals or two 750 calorie meals say as an example because I think that those least amount of calorie meals assuming things like your your macro balances types of food quality and selection stuff all are all the same right I still think this two or two or three smaller meals will have a much higher impact on basically at least making you feel less hungry at periods during the day than trying to have say I don't know five 300 calorie meals or 10 150 calorie meals or whatever i think my math has worked out there but you know what i mean as in like i think all of those 150 calorie meals or those 300 calorie meals just won't hit that threshold enough and you'll never you won't ever dent dent into that so you just basically feel hungry all day whereas at least in the larger meal kind of section you will generally at least for at least two or three times that day at least feel a bit more satisfied and then the times in between where you're perhaps more hungry because you're not then snacking on longer or, or you know, um, more frequent meals. You just put up the hunger. And I think the net effect comparing the two is you're better in the in the shorter, slower. Uh, sorry, the, uh, sh- the the smaller, me- no, the higher meal group, but less frequency, smaller frequency. That's what I'm trying to say. You know what I mean? Does that make sense? i've we'll just yeah. waffle my way through that.
1: It makes sense. I would I would agree with the lot lar- with the larger meals, one hundred percent. I mean, a three hundred calorie meal is not that much, is it? Depending depending on what you have. I mean, if it's 200 calories of vegetables and like 25 grams of protein, right? Maybe it'll be a fairly decent sized meal. But if it's, I don't know, whatever, it could not, it just might not satisfy you at all. You end up being hungry and then you end up snacking or bringing meals forward. And then you end up, you know, maybe six o'clock in the night, I'm like, oh, I've eaten my food now. And then you tend to find that's what most people hungrier When people come home from work, they've had a shower, whatever. Sit down and watch TV or whatever they do. So you tend to find the hab- habitual snacking comes in, it? And then maybe then, if you know that time of day, they can have another, what was it like, five hundred carry meal or seven hundred fifty carry meal? Then that's enough for them to take them through and a day or two. Uh, the calories, it. because it's all about the day runs, isn't it? If you can going stick to it. Mm. The, the easier you make it at the start, you are not know, using as much willpower as you, because only as so much willpower you got. And if you're gonna if you're gonna needlessly tax it at the start, also chances of you being six months deep and still having the willpower to push through away, you probably won't. I mean, because at some point, depending on where you want to get your your body to, you're gonna have to be fairly low calorie. I mean, if top level Mr Olympia. Um, physique afhig on and on two thousand nineteen hundred than they are standing on stage at two hundred and thirty pound. So you'd be damn right sure you you'd be on less than that. Mm. Probably significantly less than that. Cause I know, you know, if if I was slightly more muscular my metabolism is not going to increase that much. But if I was fifty or sixty pounds more muscular, you could it's gonna have a bit of an impact, there. Mm. yeah.
0: Yeah. I think if you looked across the evidence base, for them obviously there are some mixed studies, but I think the total body of evidence leans more, definitely more towards um, less meal frequency, assuming all else is equal, than higher, like smaller meals um, in many different populations. So it kind of leads me to think that, I think for the most part, if you're, if you're trying to lose weight and manage hunger, that's the thing to do. We've often been told the opposite, haven't we? Like you think historically, oh, you've got to eat little and often to keep that fire burning. It's like, well, actually... The fact that there are, the evidence also shows you that there is no increase in metabolic expenditure, fat oxidation, um, you know, any, there is no benefit to having smaller meals for fat loss. Um, yet the evidence actually suggests that it might be a negative because for the most part you actually feel hungrier and therefore won't adhere to your diet as probably as well. So it kind of shows you that this kind of idea of fasting, and is isn't for everyone, even to be honest even the um evidence on fasting isn't conclusive to say fasting is better for weight loss as such in terms of you know any less we'll we'll use the term like we said last week intermittent fasting to cover all of things like time restricted feeding and everything just we'll just use it um catch all but even that isn't completely conclusive although there's, there's a decent amount of studies that shows that people don't kind of if you fast for long periods people then don't tend to then eat back the calories they've missed like, if you get, there's obviously a lot of studies around time restricted feeding, um, showing people missing, you know, or having like high low days, like the old 5 2 intermittent fasting diet, where you'd have like five normal days and two ridiculously low calorie days of 500 calories or something. People then don't tend to eat back those calories for the most part. So, you know, I suppose what we're saying is that the evidence suggests that there's a viable tool to use. Simple as, as we keep, you know, we said. Yeah, cause, uh,
1: cause a lot Because a lot of the, the stuff on, um, um, higher meal frame She comes from the bodybuilding world, is not it? I too to find that world has a big influence on, you know, what, you know, what the average fat loss client wants to do. not interested in bodybuilding. It's like why? You, I know they are the, the best dieters on the planet, is not they? But they don't diet. They don't really diet efficiently, I would say. But the the way they diet sort of seeps into everywhere. You to have six meals a day it's got to be dry, you can't use salt and pepper, you can't use condiments. you can't use salt, you like sauce, I mean, like, I mean, really? I mean, does condiment make that much, Does not make really any difference to you whatsoever. But I mean, but it seeps into everything, doesn't it? And people think then that they've got to eat four, five, six meals a day of the classic chicken and, bro- chicken and broccoli or chicken rice mm-hmm. and broccoli. That doesn't, but it, I would imagine six meals a day of that doesn't suit 90% of people. I mean am not saying people can't do it, but why would you needlessly tax your willpower when you could make it far easier? And it's still it's, it's still around now, isn't it? It's, you can't you can't have that. You you know, you've got to have more meals, you can't fast when you die, you lose loads of muscles like well. I mean, really would you would you really if imagine you compared someone, if you could do it, genetically the same same person cloned. One does it um with intermittent fasting as two meals a day, um, as adequate protein, you know, the other person does it um, as optimally as possible, trains trains in the morning, does cardio, eats to recover, goes to training, eats to recover, five, six meals a day. Will it be a visual difference in them? No, not at all. So, Mike, do what you find that's best for you. If six meals a day is best for you, you do that. If it's not, for one meal a day, is one meal a day optimal? No, because you're probably not going to get enough protein in, which over the course of a year, maybe will impact your muscle mass marginally. But even then, as an average man or woman, how much muscle are you going to really gain or lose in a year? Not much. I wouldn't have thought. I mean, as long as you're weight training and you're creating resistance in some fashion, that's what's going to dictate how much muscle you gain or retain or lose. I mean, if you don't train whatsoever, then, of course, you are going to lose muscle. However, being optimal is not optimal for most people, if you know what I mean.
0: Agree. I agree. I was going to say it'd be a useful chat to talk about um, the, not the diet after the diet, as in the context that we started this, uh, referred to back a little bit about your kind of like pre-diet diet. diet, So, you know, kind of lose some weight, you have a bit of a break and then go for the kind of your next stage of of dieting. I mean more around kind of like how people then reverse out of a diet. It's almost like the reverse diet. And I guess people might've heard the term reverse diet coined I think well, I, I kind of know it mostly from the 3DMJ crew releasing a reverse diet book, but also kind of Lane Norton's original idea of reverse dieting, aka slowly increasing, um, you know, by five grams of carbohydrates uh, a week post bodybuilding show, um, so you don't basically overshoot your metabolism, and that what that means is basically your metabolism the idea the hypothesis was that people see a lot of fat gain and weight gain post things like bodybuilding shows or really severe diets where they get incredibly lean and the idea was very much a case of it's because their metabolisms can't catch up with the extra food so therefore there's like a huge like gap or between the energy expenditure and then their, their energy in so obviously it's creating this like overshoot of extra fat and the idea was that if you slowly control the Food intake after something like an event, like a, a bodybuilding show or whatever, that you could slowly bring your metabolism up in line with the food you're having and you wouldn't have this big gap between your energy expenditure and your energy intake. Um, and it would stop this kind of idea of putting on loads of body weight. I think a lot of people have realized that that wasn't the evidence based. And I think the idea of that hypothesis came from just seeing loads of people put on loads of weight per show and then forgot to manage the fact that that's because people binge like motherfuckers post-show <laughs> and not because anything to do with their metabolism as such i mean yes okay metabolisms are suppressed when the people have died for long periods we know they adapt as in we know there's metabolic adaptations that happen over long times when people do diet and especially when they get to that lean and it does take a bit of time then to come back up but i don't think that's what's causing them to kind of have this weird overshoot of fat gain i think it's just the fact that people then go out post-show and have 17 pizzas 14 donuts 96 birthday cakes and um, you know, wash it down with a uh, four litres of Oreo milkshake or whatever.
1: It's not it's never a case of like well, I finish the show, I'll have a day of eating what I want, and then going back to some sort of normal It's never like ours is. Well, like,
0: the, the more evidence based people nowadays and control perhaps might, but yeah, like absolutely that's not kinda of like the typical thing for, for most people to do, I don't think, is it?
1: No. And I mean they are not the average person, you know, they those people who who do a bodybuilding shows or bikini shows or whatever they uh, are abnormal well population
0: i i would say like and obviously i'm not overly experienced in this realm so i'm, I'm only going on kind of what i hear rather than know for firsthand so obviously take it as as you will with a pinch of salt there but i would still say 90 percent of competitors are still in that realm of going out and going fucking mad afterwards and it's only 10 percent of competitors even though all competitors are a bit weird doing this sort of stuff um in a good way uh yeah, I would still think they're still quite limited to people that have a, a, a plan coming out of a show and don't just go like mad with everything because of all the food focus and like I could say the drive for hungers. But uh, let's be honest, we've all done it. I've got okay ish lean, like photo shoot type lean to go on holidays and stuff and completely fucked it over a week or two weeks. You know, I've said before around uh, examples of this being when I went to Mexico and Vegas and put on something like 19 pounds in two weeks because I went away and just went fucking ballistic. So, because um, the best thing you could possibly do is diet down over a long period of time to reasonably low levels of leanness, uh, increase all your food focus and drive to eats to a point where they're they're almost unmanageable, and then go throw yourself in a pit of all you can eat buffet foods for, you know, well, not even four times a day, twenty four hours a day. So, um, yeah.
1: What else people do? People, normal people who say don't compete and compared to does they ramp. Well, obviously, food's coming down, but they they are ramping cardio up. And for most people, they are doing cardio they don't normally do, whether it's running or cross training or walking, or whatever. So they're on like one or two hours a day, maybe a cardio at the end, depending on how, on how they set everything up. And, like, and they stop it all totally stop it dead. You're like, all right, it's so your you've gone from now being on it with your diet to maybe increasing that by whatever carries. And you're stopping your physical activity. Just a, and people do it all holidays. And they binge on holidays, potentially. It's just like a triple threat of like, this is just ripe. Mm. Like if people have got a, a mode of training that they do anyway, running, cycling, they do all the time anyway. But then they rely on the diet to get them to where they want to be. Then they're not having that issue of, stopping cardio as well. I'm not saying cardio burns, you know, an excessive amount of calories, but it's good in some carries, Especially those types of um, it's like you're dying if you're dying in for a fight, and if you but if if you're obviously you ramp up your training is new. But when you come off a fight, you could still train, you can still box, you can still do jiu jitsu, do judo, you still do things so you don't get that huge drop off as well. As the as the food rat, like we're doing a huge drop of of training. Maybe fighters take a week off or two weeks off, but they're not like bodybuilders who tend to just do nothing. You no, know, they do a bit of weight training, which puts next to zero—not not, not zero—but for like goal calories compared to people who do cardio or combat sports things. Yeah, I think it's the same with normal people. In there, they stop it all and then dive in all day and binge all back on, maybe normal back on, but if you've been lean with abs and you put £15 on, goodbye abs. Even, you know, a lot, a lot of it may be water. Mm. And there's I think, fat. I, Actually mentally as so. well.
0: Yeah, I think the water is one of the hardest bits and I think that's probably one of the most prominent bits because a lot of the time, like, yeah, I mean, I put on 19 pounds that, over that period. Obviously, a decent chunk of that was water. There was also a decent chunk of that fat. But I guess that can completely mess with your head in that when you get back, if you got back to things normally, you would see quite a dramatic switch around again, like another U-turn because, you'd lose a lot of water weight and stuff that you put on in that period. And all of a sudden, you wouldn't feel as bad as you, you perhaps did during that holiday when you're like, oh my God, I've undone it all. But I am—I um, think part of me didn't want to speak necessarily about the extremes of kind of like a reverse diet. And I kind of want to talk more around like the diet. You know, so what is someone's um, transition to a non-diet diet after weight loss? And I guess like I'm thinking more in lines of my clients. And this came about because um, one of my clients, shout out to Kerry, um, who's been doing phenomenally, And we were kind of talking around, like, essentially kind of what the next step is for her when she's met her goal. And she's not there yet. And obviously we are still, she's still on a bit of a weight loss journey. But for definite, her views of of how to lose weight, her mentality around kind of what's important and priorities has changed a lot during how we work together. And we've only been working together like eight or nine weeks. So it's not even been a huge amount of time. But she's changed so much in terms of what now matters to her and her priorities and stuff and we're already talking about kind of like okay well when she meets her kind of physique weight loss goal what's the next kind of phase and I thought it's a really interesting thing to talk about because it can quite often be and we've said about it enough times on the podcast but we all keep saying it because obviously it's interesting for new listeners and stuff um, but it's, it's kind of a really key thing to know what the plan is afterwards and not in a way like revert oh we're going to slowly reverse calories up I'm not even really thinking about it like that I'm thinking more around the mentality side of it um I don't know if maybe I'll start with a couple of points, and we can you can just chip in in terms of what anything you want to add to it, or just have a discussion about. But I kind of one of the things I I kind of started with with her is around things don't change much at all because the whole point, certainly with kind of the types of coaching that we do, is very much a case of we're building habits and lifestyle and behavior change that are supposed to be there forever. So they just when you stop dieting, they don't just suddenly stop because obviously that's how you go back to how your original condition your original physique your original food relationships your your you know kind of all your original habits will just go back and then you'll be in the same position which is obviously not why you came to coaching you didn't go to coaching to get that to a short period and then just stop again go back to how you were so the idea is actually all those routines habits and consistency still should continue as they are you should still have very much similar food choices similar like food quality similar routines but perhaps you just get a little, to eat a little bit extra, and usually that little bit extra isn't even much more than you might think. Oh, uh, yes, you can quite often maintain calories on a reasonable amount more than than dieting. Quite often, like if someone's had to get that, like as a, if you're a small female and you've had to get down to you know the thousand calorie mark, which some you know some do. That might sound ridiculous to some people, but some females do have to get down to that low for for periods. Um, excuse the pun, um, because there might not be any periods <laughs> at that point, which is not a place you really want to get to. But anyway. Um, I, sorry, that was just a really poor time or poor joke. But if you do have to get down to that sort of time for uh, that sort of calories for a time frame, which you know, as I said, it is realistic for some people. Um, I guess. the maintenance calories in terms of maintain that weight will be a reasonably considerable amount higher. There is probably a bigger gap than people think, but it's not a case of all of a sudden the rain's come off and all of a sudden you can just do what you like. And I think that's the point. The point is, because I think a lot of people think once this dieting period's over, I'm safe now, I'm okay, and then you'll just go back to, to how it was. Well, that is completely against logic and you will then end up the same as you were before, which is what people don't want. So I guess like it's just kind of having that idea that, no, there will always still be a level of restraint involved probably for most people, and that you still have to make sure that you continue those habits and behaviours. Otherwise, you will just kind of undo all the work.
1: It shows how important having the right coaching method at the start and the right principles in place during the diet so that they don't need to change, nothing much needs to change apart from the fact that they're eating a little bit more food and maybe they can be a bit less not worried, but a bit more open. Flexible. Go, yeah, yeah, a bit more flexible when they go for food or whatever. Because obviously, you talk about mindful eating, food environment, managing hunger, eating proper food, blah, blah, blah. Nothing that, nothing of that should change like you said. But what I say to people as well, <clears throat> what I've said recently is like, like with that, people will, some people would forget everything they've done. You yeah, all right, I'm finished now. So, what you want to do, as I've told people, is make sure you monitor something. Whether it's like I've got a client who weighs every day, not because I've said she just does it anyway. I said, I said, why? Oxygen, average weight, quite fine. It's different if you know this is psychologically damaging, but it's not for her, She does it anyway. So she weighs every day. Um, so, what I find with people is they don't monitor anything either. It's like, right, I'm done now. But if so, if you monitor, I say to people like, whatever, whatever your whatever your weight goal is, say you get to a weight goal, right? and whatever, it's 80 kilos. Nothing should change in how you ap- approach eating. Apart from the fact, oh yeah, you can be a bit more flexible, and you can eat a bit more. But make sure you monitor something so you can go right at a certain level, right? If you come from 100 kilos to 80 kilos, you want to go back to 100, do? You? So I say, look, put someone in place. You go right at 85 kilos. I need to look at my fitness pal again, see what I'm doing, see when the cameras we didn't, see how far I'm Because when you've got a line in the sand, right, at this, look, or when I get to this, if I go from an 8 to a 10, whatever. There needs to be some stopgap in place where I, I need to reevaluate what I'm doing now. Because obviously I've let things slip potentially. Because some people want to use my fitness pal forever because they like it. Some people don't. To so my like, right, every every week, just pick a day, put my fitness pal, do my fitness pal, and go right one one meeting roughly right, whatever. I know that's roughly about right for me to maintain my weight. So as long as people monitor something, one or two things, whether it be pictures, physical measurements, my fitness pal, weight, how they look, photos, and they can go right, and that is getting unacceptable to me. Because you, you you will fluctuate up a little bit of weight, which is fine. But there needs to be a line in the sand that people monitor. to go, right, at this point, I need to reevaluate what I'm doing. I'm eating a bit too much. Am I a bit too lax? And then I go, right. Because they, then they've always got something to go off, right? That's too much. And you think then they'll never go back. Because how often people go, They sneak, it takes a bit of time to unravel. And months later, they're like, oh, shit, I've gained 15 pounds back. Because they haven't. They've just let, let everything go, and they're not monitoring anything. They just let it go. And they go, oh, this, this feels awful, and it's too late. Then you already go back to where you want to go. So I think monitoring something is important to, to, to be able to draw a line in the sand to go stop, revalidate what you're doing, and change something.
0: Mm. i think uh it's important to also people listening to recognize as well that bodies are meant to be different at different times as in you know your body's not meant to be the same all the time and that might sound like a, a weird thing to say but it's true bodies will change with the season they'll change with priorities they'll change with you as you grow and develop like and and, and that might be what you might consider for the good or it might be for what you might consider the bad but I mean, I guess that's your perspective on it, but, like, your muscle mass will change, you know, as you train, you'll get more muscle mass, or, you know, you might go through periods of doing different things and you lose a bit of muscle mass. Um, Like, if you're going through bodybuilding to now doing jiu-jitsu, as, you know, like me, both me and you have, you might expect to lose a little bit of body uh, muscle mass. You might not, because you might still be able to keep a, a certain level of training up. But I guess, like, the point is, as you... um. Go through different periods. Bodies are meant to look different. You're not. You, you should not be expecting that your body's going to be the same the entire way through your lifetime because it just doesn't happen. And it's absolutely normal for it not to happen.
1: Yeah, absolutely. When I mean, since I've started jujitsu, I haven't put so much focus on training. I train to maintain what muscle I have. I'm not really that bothered about gaining more muscle. Of course, it'd be It'd be nice too, but I'm not actively chasing doing that. I'd rather actively chase getting better at the other things. Like that's not to say you can't, like you say, you can't go through phases of like, I'd concentrate on, I don't know, let's say concentrating into a blue belt for the next 18 months, two years, whatever. But I've got that now. and obviously more, then maybe focus on getting a bit more muscle, or whatever. You can go, like you said, you can go through phases of doing different things, which will obviously dictate how your body will change a little bit. Which, I mean, since I've done Jiu-Jitsu, I can't shoulder press or incline bench press because my shoulders are fucked. Maybe, obviously, that shoulders you need to get more uh, rehab for, for one and prehab and things like that. But I, I things that happening when you do a combat sport. The injury likelihood is so horrific compared to just weight training. Especially Jiu-Jitsu. It's not a, it's not a term of if you were injured, just when. Yeah, like yeah.
0: day, like day one for me, mate. With uh, I've still got a broken day finger.
1: Day <laughs> one, so that's what happens. And then, and then that, that obviously you might be able to work round it in. I don't know. Let's see who hurt you. Like I've done, I hurt my elbow, so I can I can work round it in Jiu to But I can't, I can't lift anybody, so obviously I can only lift the right hand side. So left hand side is wrecked. Can't be left if we couldn't. It's all right now, but and that impacts your muscle mass over time. If you're injured for six months, which you could, it could, you could have an injury that stays around that long, you might improve it over that time period. But how much muscle have you potentially lost due to a, having a, a far weaker area of your body? And then when you get back to normality, then you can gain some more muscle mass. Because you know, especially as because men, because I think men are more vain in terms of muscle mass, when you don't train as much, you just feel like for me. You just feel a bit more watery, and you just feel a bit fatter. Not because you've gained any fat as such, but because you're like, I am training much. I just feel shitty, and that's how it goes. But well, obviously, women feel the same, but maybe different scenarios. But well exactly for women? It's like the month, your monthly cycle. I bet, f- I bet people, women feel like shit at certain points, and obviously they clearly bloat. and then that affects mood. And obviously, how you look, and that's why for women as well, it's important to monitor your monthly cycle as well of how things change. If you can understand, I like would say, we use the line in the sand of the weight I won't go up to, but I can plus that to four, five pounds more on that week of, of the month because I know that, and that's the importance of monitoring things as well, isn't it? Especially as a woman, we know, right? Week one and this week two, three, four, and you can change things if needed. But yeah, like you say, your body changes over time, because as you get older, it's harder to lose fat, maybe a bit harder to retain a bit of muscle. So. Mm.
0: I, um, I think bringing it back to some kind of practical stuff or just some more conversation on the diet after diet, I think I want to point out the comment again around having... You know, the factors being quite similar around kind of how you apply your diet and the fact that one of the things that might just change is, is the fact that you just get to eat a bit more. What that actually looks like in, in practice is probably a bit more, um, obviously, up in your calorie intake, but that additional calories, is, for most people, are going to suit them best if they just increase their portion size or maybe just add a meal in somewhere. Um, that doesn't mean you can't be a bit more flexible and have more frequency of flexible occasions. Like when you're dieting and you're deep in a diet, you have to stop doing things like like you just did there, Johnny. Stop having dessert. Stop eating this, because um, you know, kind of for the goal that you have in mind, it's not as um, productive, so or conducive. So you just don't do it as much. But obviously, as you kind of move out of that dieting phase, it's no longer such a priority because you're not dieting anymore. Then yes, you can have more frequency of of, of kind of your flexible occasions, whatever they look like. You know, we use the term flexible as in you know, cheap meals, uh, whatever terminology people gonna understand. know just you know more junk food whatever um but i think there still needs to be an element of expectation of how much that really is a bit like we spoke about the kind of normal versus common debate a couple of weeks ago or a few weeks ago whenever that was about how what what is common is not necessarily normal or should not be deemed as normal and i guess that's kind of getting that idea that mindset of that yes i can be a bit more flexible but i still need to make sure that it's within the realms of what is good nutrition and good nutrition doesn't include eating junk food like every day um you know having meals out three or four times a, a week having the you know the types of foods that i just really enjoy like you know burgers chips whatever you know insert whatever you enjoy pizzas um but you obviously that can be a bit more appropriate but i i guess it's it's there, there are there are a few practical things to think about then and i think if you think about that okay like okay when my diet stops it doesn't just suddenly go revert back and i'm free you know the shackles are off and actually instead I'm just going to be able to have an extra meal every now and then or I can just have slightly bigger meals instead then I think that can set people up a bit more positively just because the expectations are aligned.
1: Yeah. I 100% agree and got really nothing to
0: add. Fantastic. Fantastic. There. That's all. Well, I think we could probably end this on a nice shortish episode of 51 minutes. So people might be thinking brilliant. You've got some time back.
1: That is. I gotta say that's that's pretty good going,
0: though. That is pretty good going. Um, really useful chat. Enjoyed that, mate. I uh, hopefully people enjoyed the the kind of different views on obviously kind of fasting, I guess, for weight loss, but also the the the, the bits on diet after a diet. Um, please do the usual: rate, review, subscribe, show up your friends, buy your cheese. NNN10 for your discount. Um, I, as I said to Johnny pre-call, I just smashed down forty slices of Eat Lean cheese, uh, which is a hundred and forty odd calories. And about thirty ish thirty-ish grams of protein, which is you know, pretty good going. So added some hand-cut ready-to-eat vegetables, like like they make them sound better. You know why? Why is that right? Why is hand-cut chips better than normal chips? They're not, but they are though, because you can charge way much more. Way way much more. Fuck, my English is terrible tonight, isn't it? Way much more. Way much more. Way much more. Dollar coin.
1: Wedge. Do you know what way much more of right now? Protein. Yeah less than 100
0: today oh my goodness yeah, no. i don't even know how much i've really had um because um one i'm not really tracking overly accurately but also i went out for street food early and had a burrito um two slices of hoisin duck pizza how about that um to be fair two slices was definitely enough because uh sickly uh sickliness neville was right up there on the top end of the chart so i don't think you could eat a whole pizza of toys and duck because it's like really really sickly but um and then if anyone's looking at if anyone wants to look at my instagram story i think by the time this is released if you've got it early enough it'll still be on there um because i only posted it earlier today a ginormous bubble waffle wrap thing filled with kinder goodness i can't remember what it's called i think it's called the the uh, kinder king kinder Kin, kinder Kin, or maybe the king King Kin, actually. I can't remember. Some play words. I think it may be a play on Kingpin, and it was King Kin. But basically, it had a full Kinder Egg in it with toys still intact inside the Kinder Egg, which I uh, found out as I tried to squeeze it, kind of to make it a bit more edible, like as in just squeeze it a bit so it was a bit flatter to eat. And I was wondering why the Kinder Egg wouldn't squeeze, and I realised it's because it's still got the yellow, like, plastic toy thing in the middle, which was quite funny. Um, a f- full Kinder Bueno, uh, a couple of Kinder Choco Bonds, which are like the little mini eggs, if you had them, and a Kinder Hippo. All in, and with loads of Nutella all inside. And I was like, Holy shit, this thing is um absolutely outrageous. I didn't eat it all I it half of it. Obviously I shared some with the kids and some with the wife. So did you um, really? I did, yes. That's called portion control, which <laughs> by sharing it with other people. It's a great tactic. Um so yeah, I, I don't think I've eaten a huge amount of protein today so far, hence the uh protein cheese prior to this, and I will probably um give it a little while and have a little shape for bed. Maybe a few more teasers, I don't know. I might feel frivolous.
1: I've run out of protein. It's coming tomorrow, so no no shake before bed for me. Oh my goodness. I'll have some eggs. Eggs. But I have got some eat lean parmesan. I don't think I was really going to cut it. Uh,
0: well, you could, because to be honest, the mac- the actual um, per gram nutrient profile is pretty similar to the normal eat lean, but I'll be honest, I'm not sure I'd want to sit there and eat like half a top of it for with a spoon yeah. or something. I imagine it's not the most appetising thing to eat.
1: No. I could, however, put on my eggs. You could just add a little bit, yeah. To add a little, until to injury, of egg whites as well. So normally I could have had like, I think 400 ml of egg whites is about 30 grams. What was it 40? No, 40 grams of protein, I could have had that with the with a sprint with, a, with a, quite a, a substantial sprinkling add on. Yeah, well, Give me fifty grams.
0: Do the right thing. Eat the yolks. I will. I,
1: I, don't, anyway, I, only, I only use liquid egg whites
0: no I, yeah but that's what i meant as in like if you've only got eggs though don't just ditch the yolks
1: oh i want to lose I mean. eggs
0: i know some people do i mean you could you could ditch a couple if you want to but i'll be honest like one it feels a bit of a waste to me i always hate it because it feels like a waste but also so nutritious and enjoyable that does make your eggs a lot more enjoyable when you do have yolks in them so Good. i know needs must sometimes with egg whites but
1: i haven't got enough eggs here to sacrifice the yolk anyway Okay,
0: Um, we've just made our 51 minute podcast 56 minutes so on that note I'm going to say au revoir and bonjour see you in a bit thank you for listening to the NNN podcast if you enjoyed the show please help us by rating on your podcast provider sharing with your networks so we can get our content out to more people see you next week